We're here with Oscar-winning composer Ludwig Göransson, who's up for his third Oscar nomination for the original score in Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer, here on Deadline's Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. So you went to USC, bonded with Ryan Coogler, became his go-to composer, and then worked for Teddy Shapiro. But life really changed after scoring Black Panther and winning the Oscar. Talk about that. I mean, did you anticipate that a Marvel movie would just totally, you know, you know, blow up your career in a great way? I didn't. I mean, I didn't anticipate anything, but I know that you know, and like every Ryan movie, that every Ryan Coogler movie is incredibly special, and the ones I had done before, People Station. Pre, like all of them kind of changed my life in a way. What do you what do you think it was about that score for Black Panther that resonated? I think it was making it like like showcasing this sound world that you normally don't hear on the on the you know, on the you know outside West Africa. Now tell me about getting the call from Nolan from Christopher Nolan on Tenant. Did he was it was it off of Black Panther or was it something else that he heard? He heard. He had actually been to the premiere of Creed, and because I remember after the Creed premiere, Ryan Coogler was telling me that Chris Nolan came, and he had a conversation with him, and Chris Nolan asked him who did the music for Creed, and Ryan told me that story, and I was like very flattered, you know, so it was like very cool to hear that Chris Nolan would ask about the music and tell him that he liked the music, but I didn't think that I would end up work end up working with Chris Nolan, you know, seven six years later and i guess it was just that the timing was right he was about to do tenet he was about to start shooting about to start shooting tenet and he needed a, a a composer and i got the call can you tell us about how the approach to oppenheimer a three-hour biopic was completely different from tenet which is still a lengthy thriller genre thriller oppenheimer the way it was written, just off the bat, reading the script, first-person perspective, you, you have to put the audience in his shoes instead of them sitting there judging this character. So all the music needs to emote Oppenheimer's feeling at all times, and what also what he sees, and also what's going on inside of her, inside of his brain, inside of his mind, because you're constantly, constantly with with him and his, his narrative. So, and and. He's a very complex character, and it was it was very very challenging to kind of cover all of that with, with with music. Versus Tenet, which what was the approach there? Oh, with Tenet, it was you know that that whole the whole story and the whole movie. It's such a, it's 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 so forward thinking in terms of how to tell a story and the narrative and in. I don't think anyone ever imagined that type of narrative in a film before. So, uh, it, and it's so forward thinking. So, I had the music had to do the same in terms of like go with the narrative, especially in terms of inversions and to tell the story of what character, where they're coming from, when, where we're moving in time. And there's so many different ways of doing that with music now through music technology or theory. And I wanted to make sure that you know, there's also scenes in the movie where you can, like, 
that also goes backwards. So I want to make sure that when you play the music backwards, it's telling the same story. Uh, so there's, there's, it was a very, very different approach. So, you know, one of the amazing things about Oppenheimer and, and my, my own personal approach, I mean, yes, definitely one of my favorite films of the year, but going into it before I saw it this summer, I was thinking to myself, oh my God, three hour biopic about a physicist. Oh my God, how's this going to go? And I went in, and this movie, and this is a compliment to it, played like an MTV music video. It was fast, it was exciting, it was electric, the dialogue was fast, and the score, the score was largely wall-to-wall. -wall. And I'm wondering if you could talk about that and the demands that the, the epic nature of this movie placed on the score. Yeah, I can definitely talk a little bit about that I, and especially with how you know the, the it's such a there's a lot of score right there's two hours and 43 minutes of music and one of the things that someone said after I read the script was that he wanted to use the violin to emote the personality and the characteristics of Oppenheimer and especially because of the performance how you with the performance of the violin can go from like a beautiful, somber, romantic vibrato, but then with a split second, you can go to something incredibly horrific and erotic, just depending on how you move your hands during the vibrato. And also another thing that's so interesting with the violin is that how you can emote a really intimate feeling, like a close-up of Killian's face with just one solo violin playing the theme. But then in the next scene, you're, they're putting up a bomb or like getting ready to return to us, and you can have four to six violins come in and and make it feel huge. So someone kind of talking about here is, is is the dynamic range of where we go with it with the music. Even though there's wall-to-wall -wall music, the dynamic spectrum goes from solo super small and intimate and soft to you know a, a fifty piece string orchestra that like screeches out like horrific sound effects or playing the most intense uh, nail-biting music while while they're about to like blow up the world, maybe blow up the world, and and I think that's 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 just the genius of, of Chris Nolan's storytelling, but also there's that's also a way to keep people on the edge of its seats. Like they they were able to to with the size of the ensemble and with the size of the human performance of the music, really make the people connect to the humanity and the human voice of Oppenheimer. And you've got this great style going on. Yes, it's orchestral. And we can hear that very vividly with the strings. But there's also this great kind of sonic digital sound, especially the way you use brass. Talk about that. Yeah, there is. The Oppenheimer's theme is a, is a six-note melody. And the first time you hear it is played in a solo violin. And then the theme gets repeated throughout the story so many times, but in different iterations. And what's so special about it is that it's even though it's the same melody and same theme all 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 over the score, depending on the arrangements and the, depending on the instrument that's playing it, you can go. You can you can feel completely different. You can go from the lows of Oppenheimer's life when he's depressed and he's in school, to like the most high moments when he's. You know, putting on his pipe, his hat, you know, and, and, and at, the, at those times you go, I'm having a synthesizer 
playing the theme. This this synthesizer that that takes up the whole theater. The sound is so big; it's filling up the all the whole spectrum of the speakers and the whole room. And also, what we're doing to it, we're not just we're we're using the synthesizer, but we're also mixing it in with real brass, like eight horns and real a real performance. So we're filling it up with overtones and making it part of the world that we're in uh, with live players too. So it's a, it's a it's a it's a huge sound, and I think that's that's very interesting. A part with how you can play around with music and dynamics. I was gonna say that you know quite often in the in the recording mix, I hear stories that the composer and the sound effects guys and are are going at it, you know, kind of jockeying who's going to have the louder in a particular scene. But what's really interesting with this is the music goes underneath, it goes underneath the dialogue, and then it will swell, typically in a transition. Tell us more about that. Well, that all, it, it all comes down to Chris Nolan and how he spends an, 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 a big amount of time at the sound mix and how involved he is, not just listening, but also learning about the technology and putting in so much thought and emotions into the sound mix. Like that's, that's, you know, he, he's really hard at work. You know, when he, whatever field he's working in, he puts all of his focus in it and all of his effort and all of his curiosity and interest. Because it's not, you know, you, you can listen, but it's a different thing if you also learn and understand what the speakers are actually doing and you can how you can how you can learn the, the understand the technology and understand the frequencies in in a, in also a theoretical way, and that's something that that you know he's he's a, he's an expert. Of. The other thing I wanted to ask you about was you know when how long you worked on this score. You know, quite often I hear stories of the director. He sent me the script. And I started composing right off of the script. And I'm like, how is that even possible? Like, did you do that? And from the themes that you created, if you did in fact do that, what wound up in the final cut? Like, because this is an image business. And sound married to image is so important. Yeah, I did. You know, Chris Chris writes his own films. So the the I think the secret into doing any job really well is how much time you spend on it and also how much time you allow yourself to experiment and to fail. And a big part of that is how early we start working together. Like I'm, I'm also one of the first people to read the script and I start right off the bat after I read the script and I have, and I have the conversation with Chris about his visions when he's writing the film and his visions for the film. And it's not also just, it's not only just reading the script, like Chris, when you're part of the team, you're part of the family. So he invites you to screen tests. We have screen tests at the IMAX theater where I see Killian in his, in his suit, in his hat, in his pipe, with smoking his pipe, a close up of his face laying in bed. There's no dialogue, there's no sound, but this screen test so I can see, so I can see the images. And I'm sitting there in a dark room. I'm seeing, I'm seeing visual effects experiments. I might, I might, I maybe not. I probably I probably didn't understand everything that they talked about, but but feeling like you're part of something and you you're doing it together and you're being being fed information, you're being fed pictures, images, thoughts. Um, and I go to set, 
as well and talk to the actors, talk to Killian and all of that. I'm writing every week. I'm writing music. I'm writing 10, 10 to 20 minutes of music every week. And then every other week I meet up with Chris at his, at his studio. I sit down, I talk to him. We, we listen to the music and I get his feedback. He's like talking about certain sounds that could work, certain themes that could work. The Oppenheimer's theme, that was one of the first things I wrote for, for the film. And, and I recorded, right after I wrote it, I recorded it with Serena, my wife, who's an accomplished violin player, violinist. And she gave that beautiful performance with, with no vibrato and super close mic, super close mic, very intimate, vulnerable performance. And I sent that to Chris immediately and he called me and was like, this, you know, this, we're going to be able to use this a lot. And because he has, he has his vision, he understands, he knows when, when it's right and when it's, when it's not. And, and having the time, him allowing for the time to experiment and throw everything at the wall in the beginning allows us to, to build our own DNA, build our own sound world. So when he make when he has the, when he does the first cut with Jennifer Lynn, he's putting the, they're putting all that music that we wrote into the first cut. Ludwig Gorenson. Thank you for talking to Crew Call. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. <laughs>